0: Outfront next, Israeli troops pushing deep into Gaza. This as an Israeli soldier is rescued and Hamas releases a new hostage video. We're gonna speak to the family of one of the women in that video. Plus, Outfront's exclusive dispatches from Gaza. Tonight, an American doctor from Colorado, stuck there, tells us fights are breaking out, violence over food. Also breaking this hour, the Los Angeles Fire Department just releasing new details about what officials found when they arrived at Matthew Perry's home as the cast of Friends breaks its silence this hour. And good evening, I'm Erin Burnett. Out front tonight, the breaking news. This is the time for war. Those are the exact words tonight from the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, as Israeli troops and tanks advance deeper into Gaza. There's more gunfire, more explosions, our reporting team hearing tonight. Longtime Israeli reporter Barak Ravid of Axios telling out front that more than 10,000 troops have now crossed into the tiny 25-mile-long Gaza Strip. This is a major advance, now putting Israel's troops on the outskirts of Gaza City, which just in and of itself is home to half a million people. Israel claims it's not only killed dozens of Hamas fighters over the past 24 hours, but also managed to rescue one of its own soldiers. They say that Private Ori Megadish was freed earlier today. She is back home, but the other 238 hostages, the fate of them, uh, how they are tonight, held by Hamas, we do not know. We simply do not know. We do know that there was a video today of three of them. They appeared in a short video that Hamas released. We are choosing not to air it, but one of the women in it is Ramon Kirsch, and in a moment I'm going to speak to her sister-in-law who did watch that video and is now more terrified about Kirsch's safety. Because of course, the world has seen the horrific brutality that Hamas unleashed. Just today, Israel confirming that they have now found the remains of 23-year-old Shawnee Luke. She was at the music festival when Hamas attacked. Uh, Her body was later seen in the back of a truck, and so her family had hoped she was a hostage. A source though is telling CNN that a DNA sample taken from a fragment of a skull that was found shows that that skull fragment was Luke's. A fragment of a skull, it's all they have. To even contemplate what that means is a crushing blow to her family. They had of course been holding out hope, hope that she was actually a hostage in Gaza Gaza right now, though, of course, is being bombarded by Israeli forces, and all the hostages are there as well. According to the World Health Organization, there have been 82 attacks on Gaza health care facilities since this war began. 82 attacks on health care facilities. At least 16 medical workers have been killed. We do not know how many innocent people have been killed in all of those strikes. But they are adding to a growing humanitarian crisis. Today, CNN counted 59 trucks waiting to cross into southern Gaza at the Rafah border crossing. Keep in mind, 59 waiting, not getting in. 455 trucks is what usually would go into Gaza every single day. That's why you have people fighting over food, literally fighting over food. We're going to tell you more about that in a moment. But in an exclusive new dispatch from inside Gaza, our journalist Ibrahim Dahman has sent us new video about life right now inside the Strip.
1: And his fears about
2: dying.
1: We're going to have
0: more from Ibrahim coming up this hour, but first, Nick Robertson is out front live along the Israel Gaza border. And Nick, what is the latest that you're hearing on the ground tonight?
3: Yeah, we're hearing from the Israeli prime minister laying out why the country is at war, why the world should stand behind Israel, why he won't have a ceasefire. The strikes into Gaza have been very heavy in the last few hours. But this glimmer of hope that we're seeing further potential for more hostages to be released from captivity, uh, rescued from captivity, that hope really came alive today for the first time. The moment they feared might never come Private Ori Megadish hugs her grandmother Reunited with her family Rescued by the IDF after more than three weeks Held hostage by Hamas A moment of hope too For families of other hostages In some way They are listening to us right now Please, please stay strong But even as Megadish met her family, Hamas propagandized three hostages they still hold. Seen here before their capture, the Hamas video CNN has decided not to air shows the women under apparent duress, blaming the prime minister for not calling a ceasefire to help get them released. Netanyahu unrelenting in refusing Hamas's pressure.
4: Just as the United States would not agree to a ceasefire After the bombing of Pearl Harbor, or after the terrorist attack of 9-11, Israel will not agree to a cessation of hostilities with Hamas.
3: Inside Gaza, Israeli forces reinforcing that message, extending their incursion deeper into the enclave's densely populated neighborhoods. Ground troops, according to the IDF, calling in airstrikes on Hamas strongholds. Aircraft also dropping flyers, warning civilians their neighbourhoods now a battlefield and to evacuate south. (laughs) This civilian-looking vehicle didn't manage to escape, taking a direct hit from a tank. The IDF say impossible to know if it contains civilians or terrorists. The mounting civilian death toll and deteriorating humanitarian conditions fueling international pressure on Israel to call a ceasefire. Netanyahu insisting his is a just war.
4: It means making a moral distinction between the deliberate murder of the innocent and the unintentional casualties that accompany every legitimate war.
3: As night falling, more and more of Gaza's residents on the move. Many in makeshift camps, all of them, just hoping they'll see the sun rise. And what the prime minister was telling and what the IDF has been telling the people of Gaza to do is to move south. Uh, And the prime minister indicating that there is an area designated, a humanitarian corridor designated in the south of the country, in the south of Gaza rather, right next to the sea. But the question a lot of people are having right now, Aaron, is just how do they get there? What roads are the safe roads? They don't know what perils they're going to meet. The ground troops are on the ground now. And as that car found out today, um, a wrong turn can be deadly. Aaron? Absolutely.
0: And Nick, obviously, uh, hearing those uh, explosions, impacts behind you, how would you say tonight is different or, you know, as we know this is expanding as we speak, uh, can you tell that from what you hear right now?
3: Earlier in the day, it was fighter jets uh, dropping guided munitions on these pinpoint targets that the soldiers are identifying on the ground. Later this evening, we saw what we believe were helicopter firing sort of more precision uh, rockets, uh, smaller explosives down onto targets right below them in Gaza. And now this heavy artillery has just been rumbling away, sometimes 20, uh, sometimes one round every 20 seconds or so. But the detonations coming from it deep deep uh, penetrating detonations that are that are rumbling through here. So um, it, it is clear that the military pressure uh, is, is continuing on the people of Gaza. And as all of this is going into northern Gaza, it's, it's really creating and, and pushing uh, the, the people to try to move further south. Aaron?
0: All right, Nick. Thank you very much. And stroke right along that Gaza border tonight. And I want to go now to Barak Ravid. He is a foreign policy reporter, Middle East expert for Axios, longtime Israeli diplomatic reporter as well. So, Barak, we hear those artillery explosions. Um, you t- heard uh, Nick talking about precision munitions dropped by helicopter as well. I know you've got new information on the operation in Gaza, uh, troop levels. What are you learning?
5: Good evening, Aaron. Uh, I think that right now uh, the situation in Gaza is that the Israeli uh, ground operation, uh, you know, we heard in the last few days that it's expanding. I think it is sort of uh, reached its height, meaning um, I'm not sure Hamas uh, already know how many Israeli soldiers are there I mean they're hiding in their bunkers. But I think that right now we are looking at much more than 10,000 Israeli soldiers inside Gaza. I would, uh, my assessment, my estimate is that it's more than double that number. Mm. Uh, and I think we saw uh, the, uh, the Israelis coming in from the north, both on the, on the uh, Gaza beach, but also um, more to the east. But now I think there are also uh, uh, Israeli ground troops also coming to Gaza from the center of the Gaza Strip. So basically what the Israelis are doing right now is they they're encircling Gaza City. They're still in the outskirts of the dense urban areas. But I think that in the next few days we will start seeing this much more dramatic uh, incursion into Gaza City. This is when this thing is gonna get much more difficult.
0: And just to be clear, Bog, if you're saying that there's more than 20,000 troops, um, they're, they're staying there, right? I mean, they're not, they're not, it's not sort of like a wave in and out, right? This is, this is a staying yeah, yeah. and adding?
5: Yes. This is not a raid, meaning mm-hmm. it's not that the forces will go out in, in, I don't know, 24 hours or 48 hours. This is going to take weeks. Uh, They're there to stay. They're there to uh, stay for quite some time in order to uh, uh, start going into Gaza City, into uh, Hamas strongholds. Until now, in the last few days since this ground operation started, there was not, there were a few, you know, firefights between Israel and and, and between the IDF and Hamas operatives. But again, it wasn't. A massive fight. We are in the next few days, we will go into the massive fight. This is the, 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 the money time. This is the real difficult part.
0: Uh, Barak, we did see the new video today of the three Israeli civilian hostages together. We're not showing it, but we, we've seen it. You've seen it, I know. Uh, it also comes as the IDF was able to rescue an IDF soldier today. Uh, do you know anything about that? What are you able to tell us?
5: I, I think that this is uh, one of. If you ask Israeli officials right now uh, about this operation, they will tell you one thing. They would tell they would tell you that this wouldn't been, wouldn't have been possible without the ground operation, because now they have a lot of forces on the ground. They have much more intel that they can use within minutes to send troops here to send troops to somewhere else. Uh, everything is on a very short order. And yes. this is how they managed to do this operation. They got the hint. They got the clue. They got the lead. They sent soldiers and they managed to do it.
0: All right, Barack, thank you very much. I appreciate it sharing all of that new reporting. You heard Barack say now more than 20,000 uh, Israeli soldiers uh, in Gaza tonight with his reporting. The three women in that new hostage video that I mentioned tonight have been identified. They are Danielle Aloni, Ramon Kirsch, and Yelena Trupanov. Yael Nadam Kirsch is the sister-in-law of Ramon Kirsch, and she joins me now. And Yael, I know you did watch this video. What is your reaction to
6: it? You know, this video is another cause of heartbreak for me. Because on one hand, I can see my sister-in-law in that video. I can see she's alive in that video. But on the other hand, that video was released by a terror organization that kidnapped my sister and her husband, Yakev, from their home, from their beds. Um, And so I maybe I know that she was alive for that moment. I don't know if that video was edited. I don't know what's her status. I could see that in the video, she was not wearing glasses. So I know that she was probably not able to see in the past three weeks. Mm. She also looked very skinny. I've never seen her that thin, So I'm really concerned about her health. I also know that she takes daily medication, which I'm sure she's not getting because the Red Cross has not been allowed to visit the hostages and tell us about their well-being. So I'm really concerned for her health. I think she looks bad. And I, I really worry about her sitting there in some underground tunnel in Gaza for who knows how long, being held at gunpoint. I know you said you're
0: aware when this was, was, was filmed she would have been alive, and it gives you one moment of time. Um, you don't know how she is now, but obviously you haven't had any proof of life until now. Um, as the ground assault gets bigger and bigger, as it seems to every single
6: day, Yael, what are you feeling right now? All I can say is that I hope that everyone who's making any type of decisions about what to do, what to do with the army, what to do with people, what is the strategy, is seeing the picture of our hostages, of our loved ones, of Rimon and Yagev, just as clearly as I see them every moment, and that they are thinking about them, thinking about the hostages, and thinking about what can they do to bring them back home as soon as possible. I know that there were some very
0: forceful statements made against the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in this video. Uh, The woman who says them, the woman who speaks that, uh, is addressing Netanyahu directly. And and I guess the word to describe it is, is with fury. With increasing fury, she says, you promised to release us all, free us all. And then she begins screaming into the camera, now, 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 now. It is important to say, Yael, uh, we do not know how willingly she is giving these remarks. We don't know how much of her statement may have been dictated by Hamas, right? We just don't know any of these things. And and obviously, the person saying this is is uh, I mean, you know, these aren't the words of your sister-in-law. What what do you make of these statements, though, when you watch this part?
6: You know, Erin, just like you just said, we don't know. Um, you know. Who's making them say what they, they're saying? And the only thing that I know for certain is that there's a terror organization holding our loved ones at gunpoint. And so, whatever it is that they release, whatever footage they release, I don't think it's credible, and I don't, mm-hmm. I, I can't put my trust into whatever it is. I know that now, my loved ones, that used to be, you know, just free people, peaceful people are being held captive and are being forced to be pawns in a game of war played by Hamas. And so I see them use this propaganda for Hamas. That's all I can see in that video.
0: Yeah, El. thank you very much. Thank you. And next, new details about U.S. forces under attack in the Middle East, increasingly targeted by Iranian-backed groups. Is the U.S. gonna respond? plus exclusive dispatches from inside Gaza from the people that we followed closely that you you now know, including aid worker Mahmoud Shalabi.
5: One simple rocket, just one rocket, that hit a neighbor's home without warning.
0: And Trump tearing into his former attorney general just hours after a judge reinstated his gag order. So Trump just violated it. His former White House lawyer, Ty Cobb, is my guest.
7: We all do things our own way, and since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited-edition smart bed plus special financing for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. See store for details.
4: I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life, I sit down with Giles Yeo.
8: It is a problem of our brain influencing the hunger. So hunger is a brain scenario, even though the feeling of hunger comes from your stomach.
4: It's a very new and provocative way of thinking about a condition that impacts more than 40% of Americans. But the thing is, this approach could have big consequences for the way that we treat obesity. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts.
0: New tonight, targeting the United States. Tonight, top U.S. officials are warning of an elevated risk of a bigger war. U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria have been attacked, they now say, by Iranian-backed groups at least 23 times since the Hamas terror attack in Israel, October 7th. Oren Lieberman is out front at the Pentagon tonight. Uh, Oren, we hear about more of these every single day. How likely is, is it that the United States then has to respond, has to retaliate after nearly two dozen attacks?
8: Aaron, the Biden administration has certainly left that possibility on the table, although they're not going to predict how or if they will respond or in what matter. That part is up to them. But it's clear that these attacks have continued. 23 now since October 17th against U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria. You can see that map shows you various locations. Worth noting that some of those locations have been attacked multiple times. Now what's also important to note is that the U.S. struck two facilities used by these Iranian-backed militias in eastern Syria to try to send a message to these groups not to continue attacking, and yet we've seen a half a dozen attacks since then. So that message of deterrence clearly not getting through in the way the U.S. would like it to, and that means the U.S. has to consider the possibility of another strike against these groups, but they have to weigh that against the possibility of a broader escalation in Iraq and Syria, which is very much something they're trying to avoid. Aaron, the U.S. has tried to keep the conflict in Gaza separate from what, what it's doing in other parts of the Middle East, trying to draw a line there, but that line clearly not visible to other actors in the Middle East who see it all as connected. It's
0: certainly. All right, Oren Lieberman, thank you very much. It's a sobering reality here. Somi Eldar is out front, Israeli journalist who's reported extensively on Hamas the author of Getting to Know Hamas. He spoke with, of course, a senior Hamas uh, commander on the day of the terror attacks and, and, and is familiar now to everyone who watches this, this show. So Shlomi, all right, the Israeli ambassador to the United States tonight just played, you know, these 45 minutes of horror and slaughter uh, that was all recorded on the GoPro cameras of Hamas operatives. They recorded it themselves on October 7th. And they recorded it, the Israeli ambassador saying, very specifically because they thought it would be a great recruiting tool. They want it replayed. They think it will help recruiting. Is it?
4: Yes, I think that uh, the Israeli knows that uh, if they show the uh, video that was taken by uh, the terrorist camera, it will show the cruelty of uh, of the Hamas of the people of Gaza that just came to the uh, the the uh, in, in in Israeli settlements. But I think that uh, one more thing that we have to take for. Uh, for consideration that Hamas was surprised the success they had on October 7th. And now they are planning how to get out from this mess. And they all the time try to play with the public opinion in Israel by releasing the videos, the videos of the hostages. And we talked about it last week, uh, the hostages kept by Hamas, by Jihad Islam. Mm -hmm. And we get the proof that also we have hostages kept it, uh, hold by families in Gaza Strip the Israeli soldiers that uh, the IDF and the Shin Bet succeeded to release yesterday it's a proof that there are more than one soldier kept by uh, the families in Gaza inside Gaza the problem now is the negotiation with Hamas and jihad Islamic and this is the tough the tough negotiation
0: so we knew that there was a video released today of the three women. Um, they, and they don't look well, according to the sister-in-law of one of them with whom I just spoke, right? She said she, her sister-in-law does not look well. Um, we're not airing the video. But you have a woman in it pleading, screaming for their release. I mean, this is, this is what's on it. Israel obviously has rejected a ceasefire in exchange for any hostages. Shlomi. We know that. What does Hamas do if videos like this don't work as they see it? What do they do then?
4: Well, this is only the beginning of uh, releasing uh, videos. It seems to me that uh, Hamas are under pressure. They are under pressure, but not uh, desperate, because they have a weapon, a weapon against the Israeli tanks and the Israeli airplane. They have more than 200 hostages. And the video of hostages, now it's uh, kind of uh, telling or blaming or begging to Netanyahu, release us. And the other video will be more cruel. I'm sure that they as far as they feel the pressure, they can use the hostages to pressure on the Israeli government. And this is the uh, the biggest dilemma and the worst dilemma that any prime minister in Israel had to take since uh, Israel established. It's the uh, in Israeli history to decide the priority, war on Hamas, destroying Hamas or releasing the hostages. And it's not goes together. Every citizen in Israel must know it's, we are trapped between a stone and a hard field. And this is the main dilemma.
0: All right. And of course, now, obviously, uh, the choice appears to be war, uh, but they are hoping they can get out of that uh, rock and a hard place, as you put it. Shlomi, thank you very much. And next, exclusive dispatches from Gaza. An American doctor from Colorado stuck in Gaza tells out front that there are, is now violence, fights breaking out uh, over food. And we'll also hear from our CNN colleague, Ibrahim Nahwan. <laughs> Plus, breaking news, we are learning how firefighters found Matthew Perry when they arrived at his home. Tonight, fights breaking out over food. That is what's happening outside a U.N. compound in southern Gaza, according to the husband of an American doctor who was inside that compound. Dr. Barbara Zinn, the Colorado-based pediatrician whose story we've been following closely, is still in Gaza, still trapped there, but no longer at the U.N. facility. Her husband, Paul, tells out front that Dr. Zinn had to leave due to, quote, increased violence outside the U.N. facility as other displaced people were fighting over food. Paul says he doesn't know where his wife is going now. But he says the the situation is desperate and increasingly dangerous. Just to even think about that, do you have to move because people are fighting over food? That's what's happening there. And it comes as Mahmoud Chalabi, the aid worker we've been speaking to, sent out front a dispatch from northern Gaza, where he still remains at his home with his wife and three young children. He says a house 65 feet away from his own was just bombed. The widespread devastation that you're looking at right now is video that Mahmoud took of his neighborhood and sent us. He sent us this message detailing the situation there.
5: One simple rocket, just one rocket, that hit a neighbor's home without warning and totally destroyed that neighbor's home and around seven adjacent homes around it. My neighborhood is full of the color gray. I hate the color gray now. Everything is, is covered in, in rubble.
0: I hate the color gray now, the things that stick with you. Our CNN colleague Ibrahim Dahman is in southern Gaza with his family. He says he's now teaching his very young children how to survive in case he and his wife are killed.. <laughs>
1: ولكننا ما زلنا نشعر بالأمان إيش مالك؟ قوم خافش قوم يا بدخافش ليلا الغارات الجوية تملأ سماء خان يونس مع عدم الإحساس بالوقت تتحول الأيام ليوم واحد امشي يا خليل نمضي وقتنا بمشاهدة الغارات الجوية لقد كان هناك الكثير مما لا يمكن إحصاؤه. كان هذا منزل شخص ما من المحتمل أنهم أصبحوا أرقام أخرى من الموتى يتطوع الغرباء للبحث عن أشلائهم وبالعوده الى منزلنا المؤقت اصبح الطعام نادرا نحن نطبخ ونشارك كل ما في وسعنا مع بعضنا البعض وتعليم الاطفال ايضا ليتمكنوا من اطعام انفسهم اذا قدرنا خزانات المياه مليئه بمياه غير صالحه للشرب لكننا نحاول الحفاظ على معنوية مرتفعة <تصفيق> هناك شعور بالألفة وسط الفوضى أصبحت الانفجارات أعلى في نهاية هذا الأسبوع بينما قامت إسرائيل بتوسيع عمليتها البرية مما تركنا في حالة من انقطاع الطيار القهبائي <تصفيق> وكانت الهواتف الإسرائيلية هي الوحيدة التي تعمل يستخدم بعض الأطفال أجهزة محمولة للحفاظ على ما تبقى من حياة طبيعية لكن كل ما كنت أفكر فيه هو ما إذا كان والدي على قيد الحياة وأدعو الله أن تتمكن عائلتي من قضاء الليل حتى في منطقة الحرب في الظلام في الشهر الثالث مثل ابنائنا يتمتع هذا الطفل على فرح
0: Gaza is not the only place the Palestinians are living in fear before leaving Israel I traveled East Jerusalem Uh, and where many Palestinians are scared of what will happen to them. The call to prayer over Jerusalem. Echoing over what are normally packed streets, now nearly empty. Salamat Wali says he comes to his shop only for a change of scenery, because no one is buying anything, he says. Palestinians telling us they're afraid of Israeli police, essentially living under curfew.
9: They have crossed all the red lines. They use force and arrest people for silly things like a photo on your phone.
0: Young children were the only people we saw out in any noticeable numbers. Because young men are afraid. We went to talk to them in East Jerusalem. They were terribly afraid to speak on camera. Mohammed told us, God make you happy. A way of saying, I'm sorry I can't speak. If I do, he adds, I'll go to jail. And one of them showed us why they believe this. This is a TikTok video on his phone. It's gone viral among young Palestinian men. He says Israel is planning a new law to revoke citizenship or national ID for anyone who supports terrorism. And it's true, Israeli cabinet officials are proposing such a law. And to these young men, it means they can be arrested for anything. They tell us they'll go to jail if they have a Quran verse on their phone home screen or if they post a picture of a dead Palestinian. We looked up the current Israeli law. It reads in part, anyone who commits an act of identifying with a terror organization, including through publicizing praise, support, or affinity, waving a flag, showing or promoting a symbol, or showing, playing, or promoting a slogan or anthem, the judgment is three years imprisonment. In fact, since the war began, Israel has already arrested many hundreds of young Palestinian men giving the simple explanation that they're, quote, affiliated with Hamas. And the fear is pervasive. One young man named Faisal was afraid of arrest. He told us he was recently released from 18 months in prison after he says he was arrested at a protest near Jerusalem's Al-Aqsa Mosque. One group of young men told us they've been beaten by police along this wall at the bottom of their street. But the men were hospitable to us. Some gave us water and refused to take money, even though they say there is no business No money. No livelihood for them now.
9: The situation is scary. Everyone is afraid. Young people, they have passion. They're not happy with the situation. They say, this is our country. What are they going to do to us? This is ours.
1: We
0: did reach out several times to Israeli police to ask if Palestinians are being arbitrarily arrested and what crimes they're being charged with. The Israeli police have not responded to our requests. Out front next, a major week in Trump's fraud trial that could kill his family business empire. His kids now planning to take the stand this week. Former Trump White House lawyer Ty Cobb is out front. Plus the breaking news, the cast of Friends breaking the silence tonight after the death of their friend and co-star Matthew Perry. Tonight, a gag order back on for Donald Trump. The judge overseeing the DOJ's election interference trial reinstating a ban on Trump, saying anything that targets special counsel's team, the special counsel's team, or potential witnesses applies. Statements that drew the judge's ire in the first place include Trump's Truth Social social media posts like this one quote, all caps, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. Well, out front now, Trump's uh, former White House lawyer, Ty Cobb, Ty, appreciate your time. So the judge is now reimposing this gag order to stop Trump from making public statements like I just mentioned. But then right after she made the ruling, he goes and he posts about his former Attorney General Bill Barr. And I quote Ty, I call Bill Barr dumb, weak, slow, moving, lethargic, gutless, and lazy, an all caps rhino who couldn't do the job. Bill Barr obviously is um, relevant in all these cases, obviously a, a potential witness. Did Trump already violate the gag order?
9: Yes. I mean, it's, it's a simple order. It's, you know, it's less than, a, I mean, it's a, it's a short paragraph, uh, but it prohibits him from targeting any foreseeable witness or the substance of their testimony, and clearly he's done that. Uh, even while it was in abeyance, he did it as to Ellis, Chesbro, Pal, and um, uh, Meadows, um, and he'll keep doing it until uh, he provokes, uh, you know, a penalty far greater than uh, he's suffered so far in the process.
0: So Trump's New York fraud trial is, in the meantime, entering a consequential week uh, amidst all of this. Um, his children are scheduled to testify about accusations that Trump inflated his wealth by billions of dollars to get loans. Don Jr. testifies Wednesday. Eric on Thursday. Uh, Ivanka on November 8th. Interestingly, Donald Trump himself is slated to take the stand on Monday, uh, if he does so. Whose testimony do you think will be most consequential?
9: Well, I think Trump's would be most consequential, of course, if he actually testifies. And I think that's the the real question here. Will his lawyers let him testify? I can't imagine why they would. Uh, on the other hand, uh, he doesn't necessarily listen to his lawyers and uh, may override him and insist on, uh, on testifying. Uh, I, secondly, I think, uh, um, I, you know, uh, in, in my time at the White House, I worked closely with Ivanka on some things. Uh, I found her very conscientious, uh, smart, capable, uh, and honest. And I think um, she's put a little more distance between herself and the business Mm -hmm. than her brothers. Um, You know, neither of whom do I have any reason to believe will slant their testimony. But I I have a high degree of confidence that if Ivanka testifies, she'll testify truthfully. So, Ty, I want
0: to ask you about one... Sorry, go ahead. Sure, I was going to say one yeah. thing on that. I mean, I think it's possible
9: there'll be an appeal uh, on Ivanka's testimony because I think it's a I think it's a much closer call than the trial judge did in terms of her uh, being required to testify.
0: Um- Ty, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, just as a, as a quick follow here before we go, on, on the point about the gag order. What do you think is sure. next? Right. I mean, so the gag order went away for nine days. It gets reinstated. It says these things about Bill Barr. What he got fined, $10,000. Uh, for him, that's, you know, pennies. And, uh, no matter what his real wealth is, it's still pennies. Um, so what, 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 where does he end up on this?
9: Well, the New York judge fined him $10,000. That's in a civil case. You know, that's not as consequential as Judge Chutkin's case. I think Judge Chutkin, um, you know, prudently allowed Trump to try to persuade her to extend the gag order. Uh, She concluded, you know, on the basis of his conduct this week not to do so. (laughs) And uh, I think she'll come in with a much heavier uh, uh, penalty. And ultimately, I think he'll, you know, spend a night or a weekend in jail. Wow. I think it's going to take that. I think it will take that to, you know, to stop him.
0: Wow. That'll be an incredible thing to actually see happen. But you think that's where it goes? I do. All right. Ty Cobb, thank you very much. I appreciate it as always. Good to see you. Great
9: to talk with you, Aaron.
0: All right. And next, new details about what the LA. fire Department found when they arrived at Matthew Perry's home as the cast of Friends breaks its silence, plus new details about the Army's medical evacuation of the main gunman who killed eighteen people. a disturbing evaluation months before his rampage. Tonight, Matthew Perry's friends co-stars breaking their silence after his death, saying in a statement, quote, "We are also utterly devastated by the loss of Matthew." We were more than just castmates. We are a family. And it comes as we are learning new details about Perry's death. The Los Angeles Fire Department saying a bystander, that's the word they use, moved his head above water after he was discovered unconscious in a hot tub at his home. Of course, beyond his role on friends, the 54-year-old was also known for being very open about his lifelong struggles with addiction. Stephanie Elam is out front.
2: One ticket to Yemen? Oh, no, 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 no. I just, need a, I just need a
3: pretend ticket.
2: Beloved for his relatable charm...
4: Do you have to stay?
2: American Express? <laughs> Matthew Perry's humor often hid his personal pain of addiction. In the pages of his 2022 memoir, Perry revealed that his darkest days...
3: not you give me your underpants?
2: Oh, no. ...began as a star burned bright on the mega-hit show Friends. Okay, Jeff, it's a long story. Movie roles followed, and on the set of 1997's Fools Rush In, a jet ski accident changed Perry's life forever.
9: A doctor gave me a pill in a package Mm. and said, take this when you're done shooting, Uh and I did, and then I felt this incredible euphoria.
2: Perry said that set him off on a constant quest for Vicodin, even as he won America's Heart playing Chandler Bing. I would look in the paper
9: and look at open houses (laughs) on Sundays, and I would go, and I would go upstairs to the (laughs) medicine room, and then you look at the dates, you know? And if the dates are old and there's still a lot of pills, you can take a lot of them. As I drove off, I was like, nobody's going to say, Chandler just stole drugs out of my (laughs) medicine
2: cabinet.
0: Should we do something?
2: Yeah, never cheat on Rachel. (laughs) Perry points to clips from season three of Friends when his excessive pill use led to his noticeable weight loss. About the final episode of season three, he wrote in his memoir, you'll see that I'm wearing a white shirt and tan slacks and both look at least three sizes too big for me. Perry said he was taking 55 Vicodin pills a day by the end of that season, leading to the first of 65 detox attempts in his life. Is your name Chandler? Uh, yes, yes it is. Insecurity also plagued Perry at this time. While dating Julia Roberts, who appeared on Friends, he broke up with her unexpectedly, writing, I was broken, bent, unlovable. Instead of facing the inevitable agony of losing her, I broke up with the beautiful and brilliant Julia Roberts. I can't begin to describe the look of confusion on her face. It talks about how you began drinking at 14 years old. That's right. Addiction, he theorized, could have stemmed from being given drugs as a colicky baby and to feelings of abandonment as a child. And to tell you the truth, I am resilient and I am strong. Since 2001, Perry was mostly sober, he said, with setbacks along the way. And no matter how far down the scale you've gone, that means you can help more people. Making Perry a friend. To anyone fighting their own battles or those laughing along to his role of a lifetime and it's worth noting that the los angeles county medical examiner's office has completed the autopsy but they are waiting the toxicology report to see if there are any foreign substances in his body also worth noting that law enforcement has told cnn that they do not think foul play was uh, suspected at all in his untimely death. Of course, the world really still trying to comprehend how this 54-year-old beloved actor could already be gone. And in New York City's Greenwich Village, you see people are flocking uh, to this one corner, which was the outside building where it was said that Chandler Bing lived. And people are going down to the restaurant down at the bottom, Little Owl, and they are leaving flowers, they're leaving notes, paying the respects, candles, whatever they can, just to have some sort of way of connecting with this beloved actor who was on the show that so many people have are still watching to this day, Aaron. Absolutely. All right,
0: Stephanie, thank you very much. And next, authorities detailing how they tried to seize weapons owned by the Maine mass shooter weeks before his massacre. But 18 people died, so why didn't they get them in time? Tonight, the Army determined the Lewiston, Maine, gunman Robert Card was quote, non-deployable, and, quote, should not have a weapon. That is according to a medical evaluation that was conducted just months before Card went on a deadly rampage, killing 18 innocent people. This is according to an Army spokesperson tonight. It comes as the New York Times reports that one gun shop declined to let Card purchase a firearm silencer after he did disclose on a federal document that he had mental health issues. Of course, though, with all of that, he was still ultimately able to obtain a cache of firearms, including rifles and a pistol, and murder 18 people which raises so many questions about the actions taken by law enforcement, or frankly, the lack thereof, as so many red flags were raised about the shooter. Thanks so much for joining us. AC360 begins now.
7: We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night.